0: All right, so we have been in a sermon series for two months now on what topic? Anybody know? Okay, this is great. That was that was like seven of you, I'm pretty sure, uh, have, have been following along, but we've uh, been talking about the third person of the Trinity and have been, you know, exploring different topics related to the Holy Spirit. And uh, today is going to be the final sermon in our series, and then we're going to be moving on to a different series. But, um, you know, so far we've been talking about a lot of different topics connected to the Holy Spirit. And uh, I just want to kind of refresh us really quickly and, and then jump into today's topic. But we've talked about, you know, the first sermon being, who is the Holy Spirit? You know, who is the Holy Spirit? And we spent some time uh, talking about how the third person of the Trinity, the triune God, uh, Orthodox, meaning, you know, uh, people with the right beliefs for 2,000 years have been have been looking at Scripture and have seen that, that even though there is one God, He exists eternally as three persons. And it's the mystery of the, of, of the Trinity. But we talked about how the Holy Spirit is God. So the Holy Spirit's not a, a force. You know, I think oftentimes um, we're guilty of thinking of the Holy Spirit as a force, but the Holy Spirit is a person. And we can actually, according to Paul, have fellowship with the Holy Spirit. So we can have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. We've, think, we've thought about how uh, another way that the New Testament talks about the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit is the power and presence of God, um, and He is our great encourager. And so we spent a little time talking about that, and then we spent some time talking about how in our church community, our tradition, we have pressed into this idea of being naturally supernatural, um, this idea of, of really... Uh, in a sense, um, not, you know, not needing to be weird for the sake of being weird, but really wanting to be sensitive to the power and presence of the Holy Spirit uh, and have the goal of being able to do spiritual things um, and make that accessible for everybody. And then we talked a little bit about how the Holy Spirit empowers prayer. and our prayer lives, our, our ability to communicate, our willingness and our desire to communicate to God is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. And then uh, Don and I uh, spent some time talking about the Holy Spirit uh, working through introverts, extroverts, and omniverts. And it was interesting. So Don and I uh, co-taught that day. And that was like, we had so many people say we should do that a lot more. And I was like, and then they were like, you yeah, actually just have her speak more. And I was like, what? thank you for that. Uh, but we, we actually enjoyed it. That was the first time we've ever done a sermon where we didn't get in a fight. So, like, we are progressing. This is, like, amazing. Our marriage is going so well one day this year. Uh, <laughs> and then we talked about... whole lot of affirmation there. Uh, then we talked about holiness. Holiness is a goal and a work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And holiness, the idea of becoming more like Jesus, being, being more set apart, and then uh, two weeks ago, we talked about how the Holy Spirit speaks to us, and we kind of skirted around uh, the way that the Spirit speaks to us, being like Scripture, He speaks through creation, He speaks through, through other people. Uh, we talked about some of those, those different ways that the Holy Spirit speaks to us. And then last week, we we leaned in a little bit into the idea of healing in the Holy Spirit. And, and if you were here last week, you'll know that we didn't spend a lot of time talking about specifically healing, what we actually spend a lot of our time talking about is how there's tension in the kingdom of God. And, and we have to wrestle with the question of why some people are healed and some people aren't. And we have to really realize that that our theology of the now and not yet part of the kingdom, it's now and yet it's not yet consummated in, full, in its fullness, we have to really be shaped by that. Um, and I wanted to say something about that really quickly, because I believe I believe theology matters a lot. And I think theology matters more than many of you may realize. Theology is simply the way we think about God or way we talk about God. But bad theology ends up hurting people. And bad theology, when it comes to healing, has hurt untold people countless numbers of people. And that's why I think we really need to, to take time to, to wrestle with some of those questions. And last week, what I posed was we need to be willing to take time to ask the question of how is God present even in the midst of suffering and grief and when we don't have the prayers answered the way that we want them. We need to understand and at least consider how God might be at work in the midst of those situations. And today we're going to wrap up our sermon series. And if you've missed any of these sermons and you're kind of curious about maybe some of those topics, you can actually go to our podcast. You can just search for the Red Bluff Vineyard and you can listen to any of the previous sermons that we've, we've released. But this morning, I want to read a passage of scripture and then pray a bit. And we're going to look at Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 26 uh, this morning. And this is what Paul writes uh, to the Galatian church. In Galatians chapter 5, beginning in verse 16, we read, So I say, Paul writes, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. Anybody willing to say amen to that? It's like, oh man, yeah. Because if you're not, I can tell you, I see it. So, just kidding. These two forces are constantly fighting each other so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. And that is the Old Testament Mosaic Covenant, 613 laws. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, That's Galatians 5, 16 through 26. And so, Father, we ask for your Holy Spirit right now to speak to us. As we have just listened to Scripture and have heard your voice, Lord, would you speak to us in, in regard to how we can apply these passages, this passage to our lives? How we can how we can live in a way that brings glory to Jesus and blesses people. Would you help us this morning to to hear your soft your soft whisper, your soft voice. And in others in this room who you have been speaking softly to for a long time and you are now yelling, would you help us to hear your voice? Help us to be responsive to you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, you know, it's interesting when you think about the Holy Spirit. Um, you know, I, I started out my my life when i was about 16 years old kind of really getting more interested in in the holy spirit in the bible and uh when i was 16 i was i've always been one of those people who who has like a lot of different things that i'm interested in and so on one hand i was involved in playing you know competitive ice hockey i was also really into fly fishing and then i was a reader i i loved reading and and when i was 16 years old i remember going to my senior pastor of our church and saying hey. I'd really like to learn more about the Holy Spirit and getting some books that he recommended and spent some time reading. And then, you know, when I turned 18, I had this desire to learn more about theology. And I went and studied theology in my undergrad and spent four to five years. I stretched that out over to six and a half, though, because I took some time off and studied the Bible and studied theology. And And then I went to a seminary and spent time studying theology for another three or four years and and after that, I was um, pastoring a church. Don and I were pastoring in Wisconsin, and I was really having an identity crisis because I wasn't quite sure if I wanted to be a pastor or if I wanted to be a theologian. It's like, maybe I need to go back and, and finish a PhD and then go and write theology and study theology and really get into it. And so I was at this conference, and, and it was a, a, an academic conference on the Holy Spirit. And so if you've been around the charismatic world, you know that sometimes that's an oxymoron because charismatics don't always have a lot of theological reflection. And so I was at this conference and I was sitting in the back and, and they, they um, you know there's all these scholars in the room and I'm, I'm just thinking about maybe this is what I'm supposed to do. And there was an invitation. If you, if you would like to receive prayer, if you want to hear from the Holy Spirit, feel free to come forward. And I was really wrestling at this point. Like my identity was was all over the map because I wasn't sure yet who I was. Am I supposed to be a pastor? Am I supposed to be a theologian? Should I go back to grad school and finish my PhD and write theology? Or should I work in a church and continue to, to be involved in people's lives? And so I responded to that. And you have to understand, I was like having major crisis and identity crisis. Like I was I was really anxious and I was really worried and I was afraid that I was like missing my calling and and not sure what my purpose was. And so I went forward and and I was standing there and I just remember them, uh, the person leading it saying, hey, in your heart right now, why don't you ask God for what you want? I believe God's gonna speak to us right now, is what he said. And so I remember I was you know, doing the vineyard thing. I had my hands up like this. We oftentimes do this because this is our way of of putting into practice, you know, our, our theology embodied. We're saying, yes, I want to receive from you. And I stood there and I remember in my in my heart of hearts, I prayed and I said, Lord, am I supposed to be a pastor or am I supposed to be a theologian? Am I supposed to work in a church or am I supposed to study theology and write theology? Lord, what is it? And as soon as I, I prayed that prayer, I heard the answer from the Lord and it was yes. And I was like, that's not the answer I was looking for, Lord, <laughs> that's, that's a little bit different than I was expecting. And, and so for a long time, I've really had this desire as a follower of Jesus working in a church where I want, I want to work hard to take theological concepts or, or maybe even deep and really difficult and challenging biblical things and try to make it accessible for, for normal followers of Jesus and And so I spent a lot of time diving into the subject of the Holy Spirit after that. I spent a lot of time writing and reading on it. And and what I was really trying to do was reconcile my experiences with the Holy Spirit, trying to reconcile those experiences and understand them and also better understand what the Bible teaches about the Holy Spirit. And I could stand up here and I could tell you a lot of experiences that you would be like, what? Like I've had moments where I received prayer and I started shaking uncontrollably. And I still have no idea what that was about. I'm still weirded out by what happened to me. But it happened. And so I've been trying to interpret these experiences. I've had times where I'm praying for somebody. Um, I prayed for this lady one time, she asked for prayer and I was like, yeah, I can pray for you to be healed, totally willing to do that. In the back of my mind, I'm like, so what is gonna happen? What am I gonna say after she isn't healed? And then I prayed for her and I was getting ready to go into the whole, well, sometimes the Lord doesn't do what we want And as I was about to say that, she started telling me how she was healed. And I was like, you are? (laughs) Really? You're lying. You know? And I I just have, I've seen and experienced things with the the Holy Spirit that I'm trying to reconcile. And then I also, I think that for a long time, the church has been guilty of overlooking passages of scripture about the Holy Spirit because it makes us uncomfortable. It's like, well, what do we do with that? When I was growing up, I went to a High school, a private school that was a very conservative Bible school, not charismatic, no Holy Spirit. And I remember in a Bible class, I asked a question about the Holy Spirit and was told we weren't allowed to talk about the Holy Spirit in my Christian school class. Do you all understand that's a problem? Okay, I'm like, so the third person of the Trinity is off limits in our Christian school? That's weird, right? Or, Or for a long time, people have just skipped over parts of the Bible that make us uncomfortable. And so I I began to see, though, as I was reading and studying scripture and engaging different theologians that that for about 30 years now, a lot of theologians in a lot of different traditions have been saying, hey, listen, we need to spend some time thinking a bit more about the overlooked and forgotten third person of the Trinity. In, In fact, some theologians have been using this concept of we need to thicken Our theology of the Spirit. We need to thicken our life in the Spirit. And the idea being that we live in a culture right now that is very thin. We are all about fast food. We're all about about happy meals. We're all about quick fixes. And we need to actually spend some time adding a little bit of depth to our understanding of who the Holy Spirit is, which I believe will actually impact the way that we live our lives as followers of Jesus. And so here in Galatians, we have the Apostle Paul doing the same thing with the church in Galatia. Now, if we back up for a minute, we have to understand that Paul has this really complicated relationship with the Galatian church. Okay? So what had happened is Paul had, had been involved in planting churches, had traveled all over the world. And this church in Galatia kind of forms. And after Paul leaves, these These false teachers come in and they start telling the Galatians, like, oh, yeah, I know Paul said that it's all about grace and that your faith is what saves you, but you actually need to follow all these rules and regulations from the Old Testament. And if you don't do that, you're not saved. In fact, you need to basically, even though you're a Gentile, you need to become a Jew. You basically need to do that. And so Paul gets word of that and he's pretty furious. In fact, in this letter, if you look at it and study it in the original language, which was in Greek, it's very clear that Paul is angry. He's frustrated. And so he does not spend a lot of time mincing his words in this letter. And what he's trying to help the Galatians to understand is that, listen, you folks have have believed in the gospel. You have heard about Jesus being crucified on a cross. You've, You've been taught by me that if you have faith that he's been buried and raised from the dead. If you believe those things, you will experience salvation. You know the gospel. You know the truth. And yet, for some reason, you have been become foolish. You have been tricked. You have, been, you have bought into a lie. And so here we have Paul laying out in this passage his theology of the Spirit. And if you saw right when we, we started reading, his first statement is, let the Holy Spirit guide Your lives. Let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. So I think this passage really in these these 10 verses, he's really saying two things. There's really two things that I think Paul is, is really trying to get the Galatians to understand about their relationship with the Holy Spirit. And the first thing is this, we as followers of Jesus live by the Spirit. We live. Our salvation exists because of the work of the Holy Spirit. From the beginning to the end, Everything in our relationship with God is a work of the Holy Spirit. Every aspect of it. I mean, this is kind of what I've experienced in my relationship and what I've seen from other people. But it's like when people become Christians, you know, they'll, they'll kind of go through the, the crisis of life and they come to a point where they realize that they need to make some changes and they make a decision to follow Jesus. They're really thankful for that, right? Like, oh man, I'm so smart. I made a great decision. I finally saw the light, and I have made this decision to follow Jesus. But as you go down the journey and you start to look back, you can start to see evidence of the Holy Spirit working your life, don't you? You can see how the Holy Spirit was planting seeds through people and you begin to become aware that it was, it was actually God who initiates this relationship with us, right? He begins to like draw us and, and we still have to respond to that drawing, absolutely, but he begins to, begins to draw us to himself and, and then we begin to become more aware of our sin. We become aware of our brokenness and our messiness and our need for God's grace and then one day we do see the light. We begin to see Jesus for who he is. We see him for the beautiful savior who gave up his life sacrificially so we could have peace with God, so we could have redemption and experience reconciliation. And it's, it's absolutely important for us, I think, to realize that we live by the spirit. Salvation is a fruit of the spirit. But one thing I think we need to flesh out a little bit from there is how the Holy Spirit is not just involved in our initial salvation, but is involved in every aspect of our lives. A couple years ago, before COVID world, 2019, Don and I got flown to New Zealand to teach a bunch of vineyard pastors about the Holy Spirit. And and what I did is, it was crazy. These pastors were like, yeah, you get three and a half hours um, for a session and you do two or three sessions a day. And I was like, what am I going to do for three and a half hours? Well, I have some stuff. I got some things. And what I basically spent time doing is is looking at all these different aspects of what the Spirit does, who the Holy Spirit is. And and at the end of this this session, we ended our time by receiving communion together. And I I spent time in this session suggesting that oftentimes our type of churches view the Lord's Supper and baptism as something that we just do symbolically and we kind of overlook the work of the Spirit. Can I tell you something? There's two spaces where the Holy Spirit was clearly at work this morning. One of them was when we received communion. We are inviting the Holy Spirit to make real to us the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, his sacrificial death. We're saying, would you be present with us right now? And then we saw somebody identify themselves with the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus by being baptized. I don't know about you, but that seems so obviously spaces where the Holy Spirit is at work. And so I was teaching on that, and one pastor in particular came up to me and he said, I've been a Christian for over 35 years, and I've never, ever considered how the Holy Spirit can be at work when we receive communion. Folks, I need to let you know one of the reasons, one of the many reasons why we receive communion every single week is because we are wanting to be intentional to say, come Holy Spirit. Would you help us to never, ever overlook the cross of Christ? Amen? Amen. We, we desire for more of that. And so we need to understand the Spirit is involved in every aspect of our lives. But secondarily, we need to understand that we have to walk by the Spirit. This is a daily, minute-by-minute thing. We have to always be walking by the Spirit, being led by the Spirit, being guided by the Spirit. A couple of years ago, I was... Uh, floating down the lower sacramento river trying to catch trout we we're fishing and i came around the corner and all of a sudden this big gust of wind comes up and i mean i couldn't slow our, our the drift boat down it just was like flying down river I mean, have mean, of you ever been in a sailboat none of you have we are all okay one or two of you have it's pretty amazing like you get out there and and it's it's really sail in a sailboat or in a drift boat when there's wind it's it's like you immediately know it's there because in a drift boat it doesn't take a lot of wind to blow you all over the place, right? And so we're out there in this drift boat and the wind is just blowing us downriver. I mean, like I'm doing everything I can to slow us down so we could fish, and after about ten minutes, it was like just give up. The wind is too powerful, and, and it was just blowing us. And I really think that. That metaphor is really similar to what we would want from the Holy Spirit, is that the Holy Spirit would blow on us and would guide us, and we can fight it. How many of you have fought the work of the Spirit in your life? Yeah, you're a lot of liars in here. (laughs) A lot of liars, a lot of liars. Right now, we need to deal with this. But you, if you're like me, you have fought the work of the Spirit. The Spirit is nudging you and is pushing you and is blowing He's blowing, and you just say, not now or not ready yet. But what we need to do is we have to get to the point where, where we're, I, we're able to identify the work of the Spirit, and then we respond with the words, yes, Lord, send me. Yes, Lord, I'm willing to take a risk. I will say yes to the things that you are inviting me to be a part of. So we need to walk by the Spirit. And this is essentially Paul in Galatians 5. He's saying, listen, folks, we live by the Spirit. We live by the spirit but we also need to walk by the spirit so when we think about that question of what does it mean to walk by the spirit i want to tell you this i think it means we allow the holy spirit to guide our way of life every aspect of our lives sunday through saturday every everything we do everything we're a part of we need to be willing to lay before the lord and say, Lord, how would you like to guide me? See, some some of us in this room, we have these little no trespassing signs on part of our of our lives. Like, Lord, you can have Sunday morning from ten to eleven fifteen. I am yours. I am so willing, Lord, so willing. But Friday night, no trespassing. Not not welcome here, Lord. What I'm telling you is the Holy Spirit wants us to get to the point where we realize we live by the Spirit, but we also need to be led by the Spirit. We need to to be guided by the presence and power and leading of the Holy Spirit in every area of our lives. And this is what Paul is doing here. He's laying out that the way of life that ignores the Spirit, this large list of sins that he gives, he gives this huge list. He, He contrasts that with those who are guided by the Spirit and they bear fruit. Listen to these words. This is Galatians 5:22-23. He says, "But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and the big difficult self-control." He says these these fruit. This fruit right here, there's no law against it. Would you all agree that we could do with more love? How about more joy? How about more peace and patience? How about more kindness? Could we use more kindness in today's world? Yeah, we could, couldn't we? How about goodness? Just being, being a, good, a good human being or, or being faithful. Anybody agree we need more faithfulness? Yeah? Gentleness and self-control. And I think those last two we especially need. And that's it. Paul is saying this is the way of life. This, folks, is what it means to grow up. Some of us need to grow up. Some of us need to realize that, yeah, you might, you might live by the Spirit, but you're not yet being guided by the Spirit. You're not yet walking by the Spirit. And Paul is saying, folks, it's time to grow up. Folks, you heard the gospel. You know that salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. But guess what? Sanctification is the process of becoming more like Jesus, and we have to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. That's what Paul says to the Philippians. So this is what I think Paul is challenging his, 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 his friends, the people he cares about in Galatia. He's saying, listen, I need you to grow up a little bit here. You need to thicken your theology of the Spirit and see that the Spirit is involved in every aspect of your life. And so, you know, I was thinking a little bit about, about the application of this, and it's like, you know, what would it look like for, for you, for I, for us, to thicken our life in the Spirit? You know, I think for some of us in this room, it means that we make a little bit more space for the Holy Spirit. You know, I mean, I I have had so many times where the Holy Spirit speaks to me at Food Max. I'm almost convinced there needs to be a church there. Like, I mean, I'm I'm not not kidding. I mean, it's like when I'm there, I'm like seeing the Lord at work, or I'm seeing situations and people that I think God wants to be at work in. And I'm sure it's true that at Walmart. I'm positive. I just can't do it. I just can't do it, okay? (laughs) I hope they're not watching this. So making more space for the spirit, you know, being, being a person who prays and asks the Lord for guidance, getting involved, getting more into scripture. I don't think there's anybody in this room that reads enough scripture. could spend more time in scripture. You know, asking God, you know, for direction. Who can we share Jesus with? Who can we invite to, to join us at church? Who can we, who can we spend time with just, just encouraging? And then I, I think, you know, Something that I've, I've, I don't know. I mean, it's so, marriage is so hard for Don. It is so hard. And parenting is challenging for some of us. It is. I mean, for real, like what would it look like if the Holy Spirit was more involved in our, our home life, in our marriages, in our parenting and, and because I know my kids, you know, would say they need grace to deal with me. I mean, if you're if you're a kid, you know, you need you need the Holy Spirit to help you to put up with crazy parents. Not me. OK, I'm just saying that there's some out there. You know, or, or, you know, some of us need to, to really think about what it looks like to thicken our theology in relation to giving up some things that are actually obstacles in our relationship with God. There's actually things that, that are obstacles to, to spiritual growth. And I mean, I could make a list. Pornography, drugs, alcohol, um, fear, anxiety, un- unforgiveness, bitterness. These are things that actually affect our relationship with God. And, and to, thicken our, to thicken our theology of the Spirit would be to invite the Holy Spirit to enter into those things and to help bring freedom from those things so we can hear from God more often and be more receptive to the things of the kingdom. That's what it means to thicken our theology of the spirit is to, again, take off those no trespassing signs and say, Lord, what is it you would like to do in that area? So yesterday I had this, this moment of uh, like Holy Spirit clarity, um, I was, I was speaking at a funeral and, you know, I, uh, a few years ago, I, I, this is weird, okay? This is what you're going to hear today is the Holy Spirit speaks to Luke at food max and at funerals, <laughs> okay? It's true, though. And, and a, a number of years ago, this, this guy called our church and he said, hey, listen, um, my mom passed away. And I've called a bunch of churches and no one's willing to do the funeral because we didn't go to that church. Would you be willing to do it? Instantaneously, I hear the Holy Spirit say yes. Like instantaneous. And then I'm like, like processing that. And I just got to give props where props is due. Our church's former senior pastor, Steve Agarda, was here for like 150 years. Don't tell him I said that. But like 25 years, 30 years, right? Okay. Faithful faithful, faithful. There are dozens of people I meet in our community who say, oh, you're at the Vineyard? Steve did my dad's funeral. I mean, I mean so when I heard the Holy Spirit say yes, it was like, that's our church does that, okay? We're going to do it. And so I ended up, uh, end up saying yes, and when I was at this funeral for this, this woman who had passed away, I, I'm just there, and I, I totally felt like the Lord said that no one should ever die alone, Like it was clear as day. I felt like the Holy Spirit said, that's like part of the church's job is to, we should come alongside people. If they don't have family and friends, we're going to be your family and friends. Amen. Felt it. Like I knew it. Okay. So like I have a history with funerals and the Lord speaking to me. So yesterday I walk into this funeral and my, my ears and eyes are open because I just know. And so I'm there and there's two things that happen. I, I have this conversation with this man who yesterday starts talking to me, and and he says he he he's attended our church and he comes from time to time and he's he's a cowboy, okay? Like, cowboy. All right. And uh he's he's a he's a cowboy guy, and he's like, dude, I'm I'm doing cowboy things. Only he didn't say things. He's like, I'm doing cowboy things, though. And I'm like, all right, and he says, but I got to let you know, the first five or six times I ever attended your church, I sat in the back and wept. And he's like, and I don't cry. And I was like, oh, you know, tell me about that. And he's like, I, I just felt and sensed the power and presence of God. And I have a really rough background. I, I've done some things when I was younger, and I just had to cry that out. And I was like, he doesn't know theology, but he knows good theology, doesn't he? Because sometimes the power and presence of God will come upon you, and you just need to cry it out. And so he does that, and he's just telling me about how this church community has made such a big impact in his life, and his family's life. He's like, every Sunday, my kids wake us up and are like, Get, we got to go to church, because they are, they're learning about Jesus. And, and he's telling me all this, this stuff about how God has made this huge impact, and he's telling me the Spirit of God. He kept saying, the Spirit of God this, the Spirit of God that, and And I'm like, well, that's really encouraging. And I was like, you know, that's important because that's something that I hope you all know, we as a community foster that type of environment. There's no one person who creates that, amen? Like the spirit is working through our community to create the space where people feel like they can engage with God. And I was really proud of of our church community for a minute. And then I'm sitting up there and and I'm, I'm pretty sure that I'm the only person in that room that's like church connected. Like it's a rough crowd. And that's something they would say. They're a bunch of rough cowboy rancher redneck, you know. I mean, I was like counting how many weapons were in the room and you know. And I'm sitting there and I, I I had this thought as I was I was standing on the back. And it's funny because you know, people are sharing stories about the person who passed away and they'd cuss and then look at me and I'm like trying not to smile, but it was funny and I'm not sure if I'm allowed to, you know, and super awkward, but um I'm thinking to myself, and I had this, this thought, and I'm like, man, this is a rough bunch of people. This is a rough bunch of people, and I wonder if there are any churches in our community that want these people. And I just had that thought, and it was like instantaneously, I felt like the Holy Spirit said, I want them. I want them. And here's the deal. Every time I'm in Red Bluff, and I take the time to just think about our community all I can tell you is that Jesus is eager to be known in our city. He is eager to be known. He's not eager to be known because he wants to get a lot of people to come to our building and follow a bunch of rules and regulations. He is eager for people to enter into a transformative relationship with God because that is the way to experience life everlasting. The abundant life that Jesus says the Spirit has come to give us has to happen in relationship. Has to happen in relationship. And so he is eager to be at work. Let's stand. So I I would actually like to just have us just stand for a moment together as a community. You know, this is a collective group of individuals right now. And, and what I love about God, what I also find the most frustrating and mysterious is that in this room of 150 people or whatever we are, there's all these different stories and there's these different things that God is doing. And so some of you right now, you need to be encouraged. Some of you need to, to receive hope. Some of you need to also understand that, that God is wanting to kick you in the pants a little bit and tell you to grow up. And the good news is that Jesus, through his spirit, can do all of those things right now. And so I'm just going to ask you just to close your eyes right now. And if you want to, you know, hold your hands out in the vineyard way that we do often, um, to, to communicate to the Lord that you want to receive from him, you are welcome to do that. You don't have to do that. The good news is Jesus responds regardless of that, but Holy Spirit, would you right now speak to us right now, Lord? And I pray right now, we are asking the question of what would it look like to be led by you, to be guided by you, to have more space for you in our lives? What would that look like? So Holy Spirit, would you speak to each one of us in this room right now? Lord, for those things that we just thought a bit about lord where we can make more space for you in our in our marriages in our families in our relationships in general help us to to discern to to understand lord where you're at work and then also to understand where you would like to do work and father I want to to take one moment and just pray for our community Lord I, I just I don't know if we have if we have your heart for our community I don't know Lord but I want to have your heart for Red Bluff and for Cottonwood, and for Anderson, and for Corning, and for every, every community surrounding us, Father, for every people group, for every, every um, community within our community, Lord, for every ethnic group, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to begin to see people the way that you see people. That you would help us to, to, to be people who can rejoice with those who rejoice, and to be people who are willing to grieve with those who grieve. Help us to say yes to you and your kingdom, more and more and more. And Lord, as we as we leave this space today, and, and as we you know go about our our the other aspects of our life, Lord, would you help us to integrate our faith Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday. And Saturday, Lord, that every day would be a day where we we pause and we reflect on what you've done for us. And we, re- we reflect on the invitation that we have before us to constantly surrender more and more of our lives for you. And so I pray for more grace in this room, that you would fill every person here, that you bring healing where healing needs to be healed, and that you would do all that you're doing and continue to do, and that we would, We would experience your love in new and profound ways. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus and all of God's people who agreed said, amen. Folks, you have a great week and we'll see you next Sunday.